your podcast home for all things coastal athletics. This is The Shot Pod. Now here's your host, Sam Wiederhaft. You know, I'm still the new guy on campus. Is it always like this? Are we always just casually being ranked in the top 25 and undefeated in football? Are we always undefeated in both volleyball and men's soccer and have a winning record in women's soccer? Is that just a normal thing that happens around here? Thank God we were able to play sports this fall, right? I'm Sam Wiederhaft. Welcome back to the Shant Pod. We have a lot to talk about and an exciting guest who played a big role for the Shants in their first victory over a top 25 team in football. It's punter and holder Charles Overson. Great conversation with him. Excited to have you guys listen to it. So let's get right into this episode. Women's soccer split the weekend again on their Alabama trip. Friday night was a big one. A match with the defending Sunbelt champions, South Alabama, two teams that are fighting for the top spot in the Sunbelt East Division. It was a close one in Conway earlier in the season, and it was another close match last week. Olivia Wilkes of the Jaguars put South Alabama in front in the first half, but that's all they would get. Low Austin scored her fourth goal of the season in the 62nd minute. She now leads the team in goals. And Sonny Segurvin's daughter found the net for her first goal of 2020 in the 79th minute for the game winner. Goalkeeper Kai Hudson had another great game with seven saves, and Coastal took down the Jaguars on Friday night. Then on Sunday, a much different story. Coastal took on the Troy Trojans, a team that they had beat earlier in the year two to nothing. This time, it was the shots getting blanked as Sidney Babineau scored in the 17th minute for Troy, and that would be it. One to nothing final score, the first win for Troy this year, and Coastal now has a 5-3 and three conference record right now, third place in the East behind South Alabama and Georgia State with just two games remaining in the regular season. On the men's side of the pitch, the Shants met up with Central Arkansas in Atlanta for two matches against the Bears, and it couldn't have gone better for the Shawna Clears. Friday was a noon kickoff and a high-scoring affair. It started in just the third minute. Marcello Jones found Marcelo Lodge for his first goal of the season, and Coastal was up 1-0. Then it was Connor Pugh adding a goal for the Teal in the 13th minute with another assist from Marcello Jones, and it was 2-0. The Bears would answer back with goals in the 18th minute and 68th minute, just like that, we're tied 2-2. But it was Coastal who would put a W over this one with Ethan Hackenberg, the freshman from Pittsburgh, scoring his first career goal for the game winner in the 73rd minute. That was game one. Then in game two, it was two days later on Sunday at 1 o'clock. Both teams went into overtime with no scoring from either side. The winner of last week's Sunbelt Defensive Player of the Week, Tor Saunders, was once again a brick wall inside the net with 10 saves. At the end, it would be Marcelo Lodge once again scoring for Coastal. This time it was the game winner in the first overtime, and the Chanticleers are still undefeated and are now at the halfway point of their season at 3-0. Coastal hosted the Chanticleer Challenge in cross country on Friday over at the Hackler Golf Course. Freshman Marissa Kilgariff finished second overall on the women's side in her debut with a time of 20 minutes and 39 seconds. Ashley Rollison was right behind her in third place. On the men's side, Brad Wiggins was the leader of the Shants. He finished with a time of 28 minutes and 52 seconds. 
The men's golf team wrapped up their fall schedule at the Merido Collegiate Invitational in Carrollton, Texas. The shots finished 12th overall, and their leading finisher in this tournament was Zach Taylor, finishing in 40th overall at 14 over. The women's golf team is wrapping up their third day of competition right now as we're recording this at the Callaway Gardens Invitational in Pine Mountain, Georgia. After the second day, Hydran Highland's daughter was tied for 11th overall, so she's trying to move up. And by the time this podcast comes out, the results will be up on GoCCUSports.com. So go over there and check the ending results in women's golf. And the news you probably saw on Twitter, the Shauna Clear football team is ranked for the first time in program history, number 24 in the coaches poll and number 25 in the AP poll. And this magical season just continues to get that much better with every week. It was a Wednesday night game against the 21st-ranked Louisiana Raging Cajuns after Hurricane Delta delayed the game originally set for Saturday, October 10th. This game was close throughout. The two teams traded scores in the first quarter to make it 7-7. Then Coastal took their first lead with a 13-yard pass from Grayson McCall to C.J. Marable with just 103 left in the half to go up 13-7. Snap to McCall, fake handoff, over the middle, wide open, C.J. Marable, is he in there? Yes, he is. Touchdown, Shauna Clears. The extra point was missed, and Louisiana quickly drove down the field and scored on a quarterback draw from Levi Lewis, but their PAT was also missed, and this game was tied 13-13 going into halftime. Right out of the gate in the third quarter, Coastal had another one of their signature long drives. A 16-play, 75-yard drive that took 8 minutes and 12 seconds off the game clock, and it was capped off with another Grayson McCall pass to Javon Hiley to put the shots back in front. McCall with the snap. Back to pass. Looks. Fires it out to the oh, it went far the, side, and it was it went through. It went oh. through McSweeney's hands, and Jack Hiley caught it. Caught it for the touchdown. I thought McSweeney caught the ball. It was caught for the touchdown. Louisiana scored right back with a nine-yard run from Elijah Mitchell to even the game at 20. Coastal stalled on their next drive, and today's guest, Charles Overson, had one of his four punts that landed inside the 20-yard line, pinned Louisiana deep in their own territory, and the shots took advantage. Here's Lewis on first down, back to pass. He'll come to the near side with it, and it's intercepted! It's picked off! We read it perfectly! Safety. That's Jordan Morris on the interception for Coastal. Picks it off. He cut across the face of the receiver at the 26 and intercepted the pass. Youngster from Rock Hill, South Carolina, Jordan Morris. And there's your big, big play in this ballgame, the big turnover that the defense has been looking for. Grayson McCall would run it in for his third rushing touchdown of 2020 as we entered the fourth. The Raging Cajuns were right back on it with a one-yard rush from Mitchell once again, and this game was tied once again. 27-27. The teams traded possession. Coastal was called for a fourth down penalty that we won't talk about. And the shots ended up having a field goal opportunity from 40 yards out with eight seconds to go. I'll let Joe Cashin tell you how this one ended up. There's a snap. There's a spot. There's the kick on the way. And it is good. It's good with four seconds remaining in the game. Massimo Viscardi has given Coastal a 30-27 lead. 
Massimo Biscardi gives Coastal Carolina their first top 25 victory in program history. The shots move to 4-0 for the first time since 2015. Grayson McCall again turned in a solid performance, completing 17 of 24 passes for 202 yards, two passing touchdowns, also adding 45 yards on the ground as well as another touchdown. C.J. Marable rushed 17 times for 73 yards and a score and caught three passes for 40 yards and another score. An incredible victory that keeps Coastal undefeated, and I got to talk about it earlier in the week with punter and holder Charles Overson. The redshirt senior has been here a while and has seen Coastal's program really change. Not only did he have a great punting game, but he had a huge role being the holder for Massimo Biscardi's game-winning field goal. And if you're looking for some insight, around that whole situation with the game-winning kick, you'll have to listen to this. Really cool to hear about the dynamic of the whole special teams unit and how they work so well together. So here's our interview with punter and holder, Charles Overson. Charles Overson, the punter and holder for the Coastal Carolina football team. Thank you for joining me. We're going to start this interview out a little bit differently than I've done the past ones. Obviously, huge game on Wednesday that was concluded with a Massimo Biscardi 40-yard field goal to end the game. And we're going to relive that. You were the holder for that play. So we're just going to go back. And fans, you can follow along if you're uh, if you're watching or listening to the podcast right now. But we'll go back, relive the final kick, and you're just going to tell me what happened and what was going on during this crucial time, a 40-yard field goal with just four seconds left and Coastal a chance to beat the first top 25 team uh, in the school's history. So right now, Massimo is coming out onto the field. That's where we're starting it right now. And it's a three-man unit. You, the holder, Massimo, the kicker, and C.J. Shrimp, uh, the long snapper. What are you guys talking about before not just every kick, but a kick like this to win the game? Uh, I guess I'll start at the beginning. Uh, in the first quarter, Louisiana drove down, scored, went up seven, and we immediately answered. And right after that, C.J. and I went over to Massimo, um, and we're like, hey, man, this, this is probably going to be a close game. It's, it might come down to a, to a game-winning kick at the end. Just get that in your mind right now and be ready. And, I mean, from then on, Moss kind of put that in his mind. And I guess I'll fast forward to eight seconds left. Uh, we, the whole field goal team huddled right on the field. And I was, I was telling all the linemen, make sure you stand in there. They're going to come after this thing, try and block it. Um, they got pretty close, but... Uh, I, I I told Moss, breathe, you got this, you're made for this moment. Um, and CJ gave me a perfect snap, got a good hold, and Moss booted it through. I mean, we, we practice it all the time in practice, at least two or three times a week. So it was pretty routine for us. So we'll start at Massimo comes running out on the field. The whole team lined up at the 23-yard line. And obviously the crowd was limited there at Louisiana, but still had to be a hostile environment. Yeah, it was for the amount of people they had there. It was honestly a lot louder than uh, than we anticipated. And but I mean, in, in this moment, Mosma and I aren't, and CJ aren't really listening to the crowd. We're just doing what we do. I mean, I right there, I told Mosma, I said, "You got this. Just breathe." And uh, he takes his steps back, and CJ's looking at me, and I gave him a little wink, so we kind of felt confident. And he gave me a smile. So, I mean, it, it went pretty smoothly. So this is where you're telling Mossimo just to calm yeah, down? I, I said, just calm down. See, you can see CJ looking at me. Gave him a wink, gave me a smile. And I was like, all right, let's do this, boys. Mossimo steps back. You're looking at him right there. And yep. then you're turned towards CJ. Right here, a couple of taps on the ground. Is that just the universal signal to snap? 
Yeah, I mean, we have a cadence, and it's it's ultimately up to me. Once I see everybody's set, um, I look at the defenders, make make sure there's nothing crazy going on there, and then it's just up to me to give the signal to CJ, and he goes off my signal. Now, a punter being a holder is not the most unheard of idea in the world. I mean, I think no. of I think of Pat McAfee when I think of punter and holder combos when yeah, he was punting for the Colts and also holding for Adam Vinatieri. What are some good characteristics, or what do you work on when holding for Massimo's field goals? Uh, the, the main thing we have to get down is the timing. Um, like our operation time, we want everything to be less than 1.3 seconds. Uh, we've been really good at that the last few years, probably about like 1.19, which is pretty, pretty dang fast. Um, and then the next thing we work on is get, making sure when I put down the ball, it's in the same spot every time because Moss goes off. Like his, his steps are pretty mathematical, so he's got to make sure the angle is right every time. And, uh, and then I guess just making sure the laces are out. So we're stopped right here. CJ's going to snap the ball. Mossimo goes right through, down to four seconds on the clock. Coastal wins 30-27, and we see right after that a shot of Mossimo running on the field. <laughs> You're somewhere, I'm sure. Yeah. What are the emotions in that moment? Well, right as, as soon as he hit it, uh, CJ turned around and Mossimo turned around at me, and I, I stood up and we knew it was in because you could tell he had the leg and, it, and the, the ball wasn't moving in the air too much, and it was pretty much right down the middle at the very end. We just, like, we were elated. Um, I'd, I'd never been a part of like a game-winning kick before, and that was really cool, especially such a big one for our team and our school. First ever win over a top 25 team in Coastal's history. It leads to you guys being ranked 25th in the AP poll this very next week. Everybody's seen the locker room videos after each one of your guys' four wins. It actually ended Scott Van Pelt's Sports Center episode with a video in the locker room. Everybody's seen them. They seem super exciting, but actually being there, what's that like? Uh, it's it's crazy. Like everybody, everybody is like freaking out. Obviously, as you can see, but we're we're more or less excited that we've won. We've accomplished our goal, um, and like everybody's really happy for each other. It's it's unlike anything I've been a part of athletically in that regard. The one thing I don't think is getting enough attention. You had four punts inside the twenty yard line against Louisiana, including one that got down by C.J. Shrimp at the very one yard line. How important do you think field position was in such a close game like this? Well, first of all, I want to give a shout-out to CJ for getting down there. Uh, long snappers don't usually get a lot of love like that, and uh, he had a really good game. But um, in going into this, into this week, we knew they had some good returners. I think they returned a punt and a kickoff early in the year. Uh, our goal was to limit their return yards, which I think we've done a good job this year. And uh, just playing the field position game last week was so important, uh, getting them backed up in their own end zone hopefully get a three and out so I, th I think that played a big part most most of the time like what I try and do is get the ball as high as I can with a respect respectable distance and uh, just let our guys go down there and make the play and Charles talking as a whole you've had nine of your 13 punts luckily Coastal hasn't been able to use you that much which is a good thing yeah. for the offense but nine of your 13 punts have landed inside the 20 yard line and this is a year after you lost the starting job in 2019 how do you think you've improved to not just be the starter for coastal but one of the best punters in the conference well when i when i i punted in 2018 and uh after last year i kind of looked back at it and i realized i needed to make a few changes to the to the way i approach things especially with like pooch punts and getting the ball inside the 20 um at the end of the day like net punts a, a big uh separator in terms of field position and uh, just like get, making sure you can consistently get the ball inside the 10 is, is what separates good from great. And I want to be great. 
Now, I heard the nickname in high school at St. James in Myrtle's Inlet was <laughs> The Weapon. <laughs> yeah. How have you been Coastal's weapon this year? Uh, like I said, just trying to be consistent, uh, get the ball inside the 20 and inside the 10 when I can, and just not leave it up to the turn. A lot of special teams comes down to 1v1, like the, the gunners, the guys making the tackles, the guys blocking. So at the end of the day, it's the kicker versus the returner. So how, how can I beat him as best I can? And I do that by getting the ball over 40 yards and with a good hang time so they can't return it. A lot of the times on the football team, the punter is one of the more bigger personalities. I think in the NFL, I mentioned Pat McAfee earlier. He's obviously a huge, yeah. a huge personality. Is there an NFL punter you have tried to emulate your game or personality off of? I mean, you said it, Pat McAfee, he's obviously the, the most well-known on and off the field. Um, Marquette King's another good one. He punted for the Raiders for a while. I don't, I don't think he's in the league right now, but he, he had a lot of swag and he was good too. So, I mean, I just... Like at the end of the day, I try and do my job, and if I can bring some emotion to it, I definitely try to. For Coastal, special teams really hasn't been a huge concern, which is a great thing in the past couple of years. Yeah. I think there's been, I think, one botched snap in the past four or five years. How has that been so smooth? Well, we uh, has been our kicker for, I think this is his third year now. I've been holding for four. Uh, CJ's on his second year snapping here. Uh, we've gotten a lot of practice. We're all really good friends. Um, good friends with a lot of guys on the on the O line who are in the sh uh, on the line for field goals. So we have great chemistry, and, and we just practice so much. I mean, we we do probably 50 snaps a day on field goal together, and that just adds up over time. We brought Trey Carter on here a couple weeks ago, and you guys are the same age, both redshirt seniors, and have yep. been here for a long time. What do you think has led to the success from the transition to FBS to now where you're at, four and zero in 2020? and 25th in the AP poll. Well, Coach Shell has a lot to do with that and his uh, ideologies about the team and getting getting everybody to believe in and buy in as a family. Um, we've, we've changed a lot since since 2016. Um, we're more more of like a mesh, meshed unit. Um, every, everybody's bought in this year. And I, I think just like getting rid of some guys who haven't quite bought in yet has really contributed to that to that success. Charles, I'll leave you with this one. You're the hometown kid from Merle's Inlet, went to St. James High School. Being a kid that's been familiar with the Coastal program for a long time, what has the success meant to you? Uh, it means a lot. I grew up coming to, coming to some Coastal games when they had some success in the FCS and just being able to be on the field uh, with and like all the local people and, and show people that Coastal isn't just like a small school anymore. Uh, it means a lot. Um, I mean, everybody's around here knows me, and I know them, so it's been fun. Charles Overson, thanks for joining us, and good luck on Saturday against Georgia Southern. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. How cool was that to hear everything about that special teams connection, especially the pre-kick wink from Charles to CJ? I love that. This is such a fun group, and you can see a big reason for their success is the chemistry between everybody on the whole team. So another program-defining win last week, and now the focus turns toward Georgia Southern coming up on Saturday. The Eagles will take on Coastal at noon on the surf turf. The game is sold out, which is a refreshing thing to say, isn't it? It'll also be on ESPNU, another nationally televised game. Remember in week two when we were so excited to be on ESPN against Campbell? That's become the new normal for Teal Nation. Georgia Southern is 3-1 so far with a 1-1 conference record. They lost on the road to Louisiana by only two points back at the end of September. 
They're coming off a 41-0 win over UMass last week, and they're led by redshirt senior quarterback Shai Wirtz. He threw three touchdowns a week ago and 464 yards on the season. He's also rushed for a pair of touchdowns and 297 yards by foot. A season ago, it was a triple overtime thriller in Statesboro as the Eagles barely edged out the Shants 30-27. That was the infamous dance party game. If you haven't seen it, go look it up. The last time Coastal beat Georgia Southern was in 2017. It's Coastal Carolina's first game ranked inside the top 25 in program history. And again, it'll be on ESPNU on Saturday at noon as the Shots look to stay undefeated and atop the Sun Belt standings. Men's soccer also has a home match against Georgia Southern on Sunday at 2 p.m. Coastal leads the four-team Sun Belt standings with Georgia Southern at the bottom at 0-3 in conference and a 1-5 record overall. Marcelo Lodge was named to the top drawer soccer national team of the week after his two-goal weekend against Central Arkansas. So he and the Shots are eager to remain undefeated as their fall season is already at the halfway point. Women's soccer has their second-to-last game also on Sunday. This one's in Boone, North Carolina against rival Appalachian State. The game will be at noon. App State is behind Coastal in the Sunbelt East Division standings at 3-6 and six in conference and 3-8-1 and one overall. The Mountaineers are coming off a 3-0 loss at South Alabama, and this game closes out their regular season. Coastal still has one more game left against Georgia Southern on this coming Wednesday at 6 p.m., which is a makeup game that was supposed to be played on September 17th. The volleyball team plays at the HTC Center for the first time in 2020 on Thursday and Friday, both against Troy. Again, the shots are undefeated at 6-0, and Troy is following close behind at second place in the Sunbelt East Division standings. They're 4-1, with their only loss coming in the third match against South Alabama. This is a clash of the top two teams in the division, and here's senior Ani Bozdova previewing the matchup. We are the first team in the nation deserving and they're the second team so they're gonna that's gonna be the first team they're gonna challenge us with a hard serve so we need to keep our serving pass stable and I just hope we get another three wins and we keep being undefeated. If you're listening to this the day it comes out on Thursday the first match is today Thursday at 11 a.m. The second match is Thursday today at 6 p.m. and the final match is on Friday at 1 p.m. So Shauna Clear Volleyball looks to carry their momentum over and sweep another Sun Belt opponent. To cap it all off, women's golf next week will play in the Terrier Invitational on Monday and Tuesday in Spartanburg for their second tournament of their fall season. As always, you can keep up with all the action for all of our sports on the Shauna Clear Athletics Twitter page at GoCCUSports and our website, GoCCUSports.com. We'll wrap things up right there. Thank you again for listening to the Shant Pod on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again to Charles Overson for joining us and getting everybody ready for the Shant's first game as a top 25 team. This is Sam Wiederhoff saying have a great day, everybody, and go Shant's.